0: Remember remember uh, many, many years ago, uh, Jennifer and I were sitting on the, the back porch of, of my parents' house. And, and she asked me, she said, well, what do you want? We had just been on it two or three days. She says, what What do you want out of life? And, and my answer is the same uh, then as it is today. I just want peace. <laughs> you know, just having some peace within, uh, some peace uh, in our personal relationships, and in our community, and with our school boards, and our nation, and, and just having that peace. And um, Jesus was the Prince of Peace, and he shows us a way, and it's very, very different, uh, the way of, of Christ's peace versus what I would call the, the peace of the empire. <clears throat> and so it challenges us uh, just as much today as it did back then. And I remember reading uh, in one of my books in seminary on the history of Christianity. And they were talking about the first 300 years before it became the, the religion of the state. And they disagreed on just about everything as far as how do you baptize someone, the nature of communion. And they had all these disagreements. But the author said if there was one common belief among early Christians, it was that if you were going to be Christian, you were nonviolent. You refuse to return anger for anger or meet violence with more violence and always think about how far we have come from that. If we want to follow Christ, that means we take a vow that we will be nonviolent. And I even kind of like to reference when we talk about Jesus uh, with the adjective, the nonviolent Jesus. And so it really uh, challenges us. And so I'd like to read from the, the gospel of Luke here. I'm going to read about the whole entry when he comes into uh, Jerusalem here. <clears throat> so when Jesus had come near Bethphage in Beth, Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples ahead saying, go into the village ahead of you. And as you, as you enter it, you will find there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought, brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. And as He was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen. They, they've seen Him um, raise Lazarus from the death and feeding the multitudes with a few loaves of bread. They've seen all, this, all these miracles and all that He can do. And they're having a certain expectation of what the Messiah will do and and how that Messiah will will act. And they were saying and singing, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, order your disciples to stop. And there's tension here already. (laughs) You have all these mixed things going on on Palm Sundays, where there's, there's joy and celebration. But then there's also this tension between Jesus and the disciples and the the Pharisees. And it's all coming to a head during Holy Week here. Tell them to stop. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silence, the stones would shout out. And as Jesus came near and saw the city of Jerusalem, he wept. He weeps over the city. And he says, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. This is uh, the word of God for each and every one of us here today. Amen. And as we think about peace today, uh, what are the things that make for peace And what is the peace of Jesus? And how is that different from the peace that the world offers us? And can we have peace and be nonviolent? Or is violence the way to peace? These uh, questions are are complex, but I think Jesus' response is very clear to us. So who are the peacemakers? Have you known peacemakers in your life? And what is that way of peace? Let's take a, a few moments just to pray. And to reflect on that silently, let us pray. In that area, I think we always start with that inner peace. But then when we when we have that, it's going to move us out into the world and engaging to, to share that peace and encourage peace throughout the world. And then we will encounter violent reactions to that for sure. Any other thoughts there on peace? It's a wonderful subject. I always keep coming back to, I guess you could say, preach on peace and preach on peace until you have peace and then continue to preach on peace (laughs) because it's a a lifelong endeavor. And every time I think I've achieved some of that inner peace, something will happen. And I go, (laughs) "Whoop!" a little more work to be done here. And I always remember, um, and it's easy to talk about nonviolence if you haven't encountered that violence face to face. And I remember just walking down the alley behind the church here one time. And the neighbor's dog got out. And the dog came after me very aggressively. And and I I thought I was going to get attacked. And we were just squared off. And the dog was just showing its teeth. And and it was very upset and and lunging at me. And here I was thinking, oh, I'm a person of peace. I reached down and got a rock. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I probably would have used that. But fortunately, the dog eventually uh, went away. And, and so I, I would just encourage all of us to think about peace uh, within ourselves and in the centering prayer, the meditation, and, and just being around people who uh, cultivate that and encourage that. It's, it's important. And uh and thinking this week, I was thinking, how many times ha- have I been to a church where a minister holds out their hands like this? And what do they say? May the peace of Christ be with you. And everyone responds and also with you. And I participated in this uh, simple action many, many times, a simple ritual, and yet the questions still linger. What are the things that make for peace? What are the things that are hidden from our eyes? And we crave peace at every level of our lives, whether it's that personal peace Uh, Peace within our our relationships with friends and family and spouses and uh, our parents and grandparents, our children. We crave for peace within our schools and all the mass shootings and school boards fighting over all the curriculums across the U.S. We crave peace in our community, in our nation, as well as internationally. And we were talking about this question at our prayer class on Tuesday night. And I think about the only thing we came to a conclusion was it's complex. <laughs> and we can acknowledge the complexity of peace. And what do we do? And it always, it always comes up in a really extremely violent situation where masses of people are being slaughtered. How do we respond to that type of violence? And I think about peace, though, and um Amid the fear and the uncertainty from the earliest days of the pandemic, I have some cherished memories, little snippets of peace that gave me hope. In that very first few months, if you remember during the pandemic, we were in the 40 days of Lent, actually, and our church, along with St. Rita's Catholic Church, we rang our church bells 12 times at 12 noon. And the soothing sounds of those bells echoed from one end of town to the other. And with most of us sheltering in place at this particular time, many people told me that they just stopped when they heard those bells ringing and they were just still. It was a simple moment of peace and community which bridged across the divides that often separate us. And I also remember in the first few months of the pandemic, the death toll and the sickness and the, the isolation on the Navajo Nation was just tremendous. And Pastor Norman, who's Navajo and lives in Utah, and he's the pastor of Native Grace, and he and uh, Pastor Gene from the Cortez United Methodist Church, they put the word out for relief, relief support for members of the Navajo tribe on the, on the reservation in Utah. And on Friday mornings, Folks from the Cortez United Methodist Church and, and members of Native Grace the Intertribal Fellowship, and a few from our own congregation and some from Dolores and Dove Creek as well. We would gather in Cortez at the church and pack food and water and cleaning supplies to send out to our Navajo brothers and sisters on these very remote areas where they were locked down on the reservation. And we also had volunteers that would come in on Friday, Friday mornings there from the bridge shelter in Hope's Kitchen. And when this assembly line, as we would assemble these uh, relief boxes, when it was really humming and moving, you could hear Spanish and Navajo and English being spoken all at once. And it was just beautiful to see everyone working together. And it was moments of peace as we worked together for a common purpose, a shared compassion. And I can remember at the end of one sweltering day and we were loading up the last supplies onto trailers and trucks destined for the reservation. And we were exhausted and, and we were short tempered and we were bumping into one another and the peace was gone. And one of the, the men from the shelter, I'll, get, I'll say his name was Juan. And he was, I found him fascinating. He was bilingual. And he spoke, uh, he had in his backpack, he had a a Spanish version, a worn-out copy of Eckhart Tolle's The New Earth. And you could tell he had read it several different times. And he was a peacemaker. And as we were getting grumpy and short with one another, Juan just held up his hands and said, Guys, guys, let's work together. And here this resident of the shelter started directing us and telling us what we could do. And we found our rhythm again. And there was peace. And I cherish these small moments of peace that kind of show us what is possible and the common ground that we have. And Jesus just might say, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And there's peace. And today, we find Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. And it is a symbol of peace. He's saying, I am going to be a different kind of leader, a different kind of king. And those who are gathered on that road to welcome him, they were singing, peace in heaven. And when Jesus was born, Luke tells us that the angels sang, peace on earth. So you can hear this chorus, peace in heaven, peace on earth, reverberating back and forth. And the Reverend William Carter writes, we are caught in the crossfire of blessings. But yet sometimes we remain clueless when it comes to peace. I think he's being kind of generous that sometimes we remain clueless about peace. But we struggle with what it means to live in peace Who can forget the images of the domestic terrorists storming the U.S. Capitol? The violence and the anger and just that hatred. There was no peace. And who can forget the patriots driving up and down Main Street and Cortez, blasting black smoke from their trucks? With the American and the Confederate flags waving from the beds of their trucks. And who can forget the images of Charlottesville in the hatred and the intolerance? In the sight of George Floyd in that murder, in the riots that came afterwards. And then there's Russia and Putin. And we might say with the prophet Jeremiah, peace, peace. There is no peace. There is no peace. And then here's Jesus. And the circumstances I don't think are that much different from from today. Riding humbly on a donkey into the city of Jerusalem a city that's full of violence and disagreement, and it's divided, and he weeps. If only they knew the things that make for peace. And today, as we sit here, Jesus is weeping outside of Moscow and crying. If only they knew the things that make for peace. He is weeping outside of Washington, D.C. If only they knew the things that make for peace. And he's also weeping outside the town limits of Mancus and Cortez and Dolores. If you, if you only recognize on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. A couple weeks ago, I went to Sand Canyon. I always like to kind of disappear on Mondays and (laughs) try to find a a peaceful place and just spend time in the beauty of of creation. And so I drove out there and I parked a car and I saw this uh, red truck on the end of the parking lot. It had a great big billboard in the back advertising for a a lady who was running for governor of, of Colorado. And so I got out of my car and I, went, I don't know why, but I went to the back of her truck and she I read the billboard and then she had a bumper sticker. And it said, I have the Constitution, the Bible and a Colt 45, and I don't plan on giving up any of them. And I just looked at that and I thought, huh, <laughs> that's interesting. And Isaiah says from the Bible. Beat your weapons into plowshares. You shall learn war no more. And Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Love your neighbors. Put away your sores. And I'm convinced if he wrote that or said it today, he would say, put away your guns and your weapons and your bombs. Love one another. Love your enemies. And forgive again and again and again. And I thought, what Bible is she reading from? What Bible is she reading from? Because there's two completely different versions of who God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, who they are. And Brian McLaurin writes in his book, Everything Must Change, Jesus in the global crisis and a revolution of hope. He writes that Dominic Croissant says the Roman motto for peace is peace through victory, peace through destruction of our enemies, and peace through domination. And then he says, Jesus' motto for peace is peace through nonviolent justice, peace through the forgiveness of enemies, And peace through reconciliation, peace through embrace and grace. So as we sit here today and wave our palm branches in a world that is not at peace, but there are peacemakers working throughout it as well. What is our motto for peace? And do we follow Jesus in his way of peace? Or do we follow the way of empire? Because we have grace. We have prayer. We have holy scripture. We have Christ's peace within us. And we have Jesus's courage to be peacemakers ourselves. And let's not give up on any of them. And may the peace of God be with all of us. And how will each of us respond to peace and live peace through our lives? Amen.